space, the final frontier, which is kind of a weird name considering that we also call Alaska, Antarctica, and other places of the Arctic the last frontier. I mean, we've barely explored 3% of Earth's ocean, so isn't that like another final frontier? The ending frontier? And if space truly is the final frontier, what would happen if we discovered time travel? What frontier is that? I mean, what comes after final? Is time the ultimate frontier? And what if we figure out how to travel through dimensions? What what frontier is that? What is the what is the frontier of space in another dimension? It, it, the, is it called the extreme ultra mega final frontier? Eh, whatever. The point is, is that space is a really cool place that we are still learning about and dreaming of exploring every day. And with all this talk of colonizing Mars and billionaires going to space to probably uh, exploit the fact that space is considered a common heritage of all of mankind that, so that nobody can claim a part of space in order to avoid tax laws. You can't take my money. It's in space. Your rules don't apply. We all own space. I'm just the one who can afford to go there and set things up so that I'm in charge. Where was I? Oh yeah, so space travel is kind of a topical right now, so I figured, why not talk about the space race? No, no, I'm not talking about the one between Jeff Bezos and, and Elon Musk. That That's just two billionaires throwing piles of money into rocket science to one-up each other to see who rules space. I mean, the real space race, where two countries threw piles of money into rocket science to one-up each other and see who rules space. They are two totally different things. Because now both sides are capitalist. Okay, okay, enough jokes. Um, what was the space race? Well, basically, it was a period of time from 1955 to 1975 when the United States and the Soviet Union, which I will also call Russia interchangeably because... So it doesn't get confusing. Uh, I mean, we, we call America, the USA America. I mean, so why not call the USSR Russia? I mean, Russia's at the end. Anyway, so the United States and the Soviet Union played a game uh, in space called Who Can Make the Best Technology Able to Launch Nuclear Bombs from Space at Their Adversary First? It's a very fun game, uh, ages um, 7 and up, uh, though like Legos, you can't play it over 99. Sorry, Grandpa, I gotta take away your Legos and nuclear bombs. You're getting too old. Anyway, eventually this just kind of became uh, a, a, a kind of a way for the countries to flex their scientific prowess at the end. Uh, you know, one up in each other, like, look what I can do, I bet you can't get to the moon and such. But uh, why did this happen? And how did we go from shooting dogs into the sky to putting a man on the moon in less than 20 years? Well, I'll tell you all about it on this week's episode of Historical Hijinks. From the dawn of time, humans have looked up at the sky and thought, you know what would be cool? Instead of living here, with things like water and food and air 
I want to go to the big glowing thing in the sky. No, no, not the bright one. It hurts my eyes. The other one. The one that lights up at night and causes the sun to turn black when the gods are angry. Oh god, we must appease the gods. Get the sacrificial lamb! Yes, that that is probably what's what, what humans said. I don't know who, but I said it, so maybe that counts. But even though going to space was a dream of ours for millennia, we never had the technology or even a like a plan to get there. I mean, what are we going to do? Use a really big kite? Maybe get like a really big guy to throw a really small guy into the sky? Well, obviously none of those plans would ever work. That is until Jules Verne had the great idea of a big cannon that shoots people into space with his story, A Trip to the Moon. That didn't really work out, but, but we did keep the part about the big explosion blasting people into a metal container into space. You see, the rocket is the cannon. And in the early 1900s, some scientists were working on ways to send people to space in rockets. But work was slow and, you know, not the, the technology wasn't really just there yet. But it was getting there. Luckily, there were some really good physicists in Germany during the 1930s who had been experimenting with liquid fuel rockets, and their tests showed lots of promise. The problem was, they were in 1930s Germany, and they were forced to make rockets not for space travel, but for weapons for Germany during World War II. After World War II, however, Germany fell, and the rocket scientists were recruited by both the Americans and the Russians, because to be fair, their technology made for some really good missiles, and both sides got to work on building rocket technology. Things were, uh, quiet for a bit, but then on October 4th, 1957, the Soviets launched Sputnik 1 into orbit, the first man-made satellite into space. All it did, uh, was, uh, emit a beep, though, uh, you know, through radio signals. Which, which might not sound too impressive, but, but Sputnik is actually just as advanced as, insert name of mobile service company, satellites. <laughs> got him. But seriously, this freaked a lot of people out, especially in America, because if Russia could send Sputnik into space, they might be able to develop a rocket capable of launching a nuke on America. And so, to combat this, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration was born, or NASA for short. Uh, both decided to, uh, both America and Russia decided to try to scare each other by showing how much better they were with rocket science, and soon a race began to see who could put a man into space. But first, we need to, we need, we needed to test going into space, you know, on living things. What happens? Does your brain explode, or do you turn up into a crisp? Uh, do, do, do you get superpowers? I mean, who knows? We had to. We had to test it. And, you know, and killing humans in tests is bad for publicity. So, uh, you know, both sides just sent animals into space to see how they fared. Uh, spoiler alert, uh, not too well. Uh, sadly, um, the U.S. had a thing for sending monkeys into space, while the Soviets seemed to like sending dogs. The, the first launches didn't go too well, uh, with the rockets disintegrating, but, uh, but eventually the Soviets sent a dog named Laika into orbit. She, however, uh, Sadly, did not make it, as as they were testing if their rocket could get someone into orbit, but not back down. Uh, a few years later, and uh, a tragic amount of dogs and monkeys who burnt up or were just straight up lost in in space. Uh, a few did survive, however. 
Yuri Gagarin became the first human in space in 1961. The Americans also sent up some guy named Alan B. Shepard, but no one cares about him because he wasn't the first one. As usual, this kind of stuff, and no one remembers him. But anyway, four years later, we got the first spacewalk. And let me just say, this is one of the craziest stories in history. The walk was conducted by cosmonaut, that's a fancy word for Russian astronaut, Alexei Leonov, who happens to be one of the unluckiest people in history with how this spacewalk went. Everything was fine for the first 12 minutes. Alexei was just hanging out, enjoying the thrill of being the first human ever to have nothing but a, but a, but a suit in between you and the cold, endless void of the vacuum of space. But when he attempted to return to the ship, his suit had a, a pressure error. Uh, you know, the, the pressure difference was all, wasn't working because, you know, he was in the aforementioned cold and endless void known as the vacuum of space. His suit ballooned up like an inflatable Christmas decoration. His gloves and boots no longer fit, and he would have been unable to fit through the airlock. So, out of options, he let out some air to fix the pressure difference in his suit, and, you know, it deflated back to normal size. But because of this, uh, he, he had let out too much air too fast, and he was now feeling the effects of decompression sickness, which is a very bad thing when your body goes through, you know, different pressures too fast, and this is a big problem for, for scuba divers especially, because it can cause fatigue and joint and muscle pain, which can be dangerous when you are underwater, let alone in the cold and endless void known as the vacuum of space. And to make things even worse, he had five minutes before he would orbit into Earth's shadow, leaving him in total darkness. He climbed his way back to the, to the, to the ship, one hand after the other, going across the 17-foot tether, his hands feeling like they have pins and needles from the bends, which is caused from decompression sickness. He nearly got heat stroke from overexerting himself, but he kept pushing through, and he made it. And then, the spacecraft malfunctioned, causing the need for an emergency crash landing. Uh, well, I told you I had bad luck. The good news is, though, he survived. And even better, he landed back in Russia. The bad news is, is that he landed in the freezing Siberian wilderness. And for two nights, Alexei and his fellow cosmonauts stayed in the capsule, where an electrical malfunction caused the fans to run at full blast. Told you, again, bad luck. I mean, they were re eventually rescued, and he was hailed as a hero and such, but still, you gotta admit, incredible story. Anyway, back to the space race, uh, America eventually won it by sending Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin and Michael Collins to the moon in 1969. And even though the Soviets beat America in putting a satellite in orbit, putting a living thing into orbit, putting a human into orbit, conducting the first spacewalk, we all just kind of shrugged and said America won the space race. And then we stopped sending so many people into space because the space race was over and the Soviets could not keep pace with the Americans. And then some other thing happened and with money and communism and German unification. Back to Germany. It's all come full circle. The end. Uh, anyway, that's, 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 this, that's this week's episode. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if you got suggestions or questions or things, you can... Reach me with the Twitters at, uh, at Hist Hijinks or 
or the email, uh, historicalhijinkspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I'm Nicholas Fowler, and this has been one for the history books. Dang it, I should have said this episode was out of this world. Oh, well. Thank you.